0: Welcome to Live Your Own Way with me, Lucy Gleason Interiors, chatting homes, life and inspiration with my very special guest. to this chat with Dominic Chin today. He's one of the core team on one of my favourite shows, the BBC One's repair shop, being their metal expert, lovingly restoring people's family heirlooms and beloved pieces. He's had a really interesting career path from working on car restoration to set design and prop making in his own studio on huge events and photo shoots. So I can't wait to find out more today about how he's achieved this all. Hi Don, thanks for chatting to me today because I know you're foregoing your, your lunch break at the repair shop to talk to me.
1: Hi, Lucy. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, no, I I really appreciate it. And and we'll talk about the show. But I just wanted to know briefly, how's it all going with, you know, different regulations happening at the moment? You
1: you know what? We've been back now for two, maybe three weeks, two and a half weeks. And the production team have put in such quite strict procedures. And, you know, we're even shooting things slightly differently, different angles to allow for the two metre distance. And they've done such a good job we barely even notice it's quite strange we you know it, obviously we're aware but it's working seamlessly so it's it's all really really good news
0: yeah absolutely but um well listen you have done so much with your career so far and um, I know that you initially trained in graphic design and fine art so what was your initial plan when you were studying
1: I wish I had a plan <laughs> I think um it's, I mean I, I genuinely didn't. I was really crap at school. I really was like not very good at academic maths and science and things like that despite both my brothers being geniuses in both of those. you know they're both very, very academic and clever. I was kind of the my middle child and I was kind of the odd one out I sort of was more into art, music, art, stuff like that and I just did what, what I could and what I enjoyed really. That was through school A levels and then that kind of led me on to BND graphic design. Because I just enjoyed layout, typography, things like that, and I think I'm very fortunate that my whole career really has been just me muddling through, just doing what I enjoy doing, just being led by my heart, I guess. Of kind of, I you know, I'm passionate about that. I love to do that. I want to do that, and, and somehow making it making it work as a job. Mm. Well, <laughs> well, you're doing very well at it. So, what was the Thank first you. You, when,
0: when What was the first thing you did when you uh, left college?
1: When I was after my degree, so what well, during my degree, I was working uh sort of part time uh at a classic car restoration place doing old uh, Volkswagen air so called it Volkswagens and Porsches. So it was like the boy in the workshop uh, that we'd restore them and there was parts shops. So I was sort of working there whilst at uni and then went there was sort of became more full time there, but then obviously wanted to get into after doing the graphic design degree, I wanted to, the creative kind of I just wanted to do something in, in that field. So I wanted, to, I, I mean, I guess it, it was very photography led, my degree. It was graphic design. It was very visual, very, you know, sort of photography and printmaking, things like that. So I tried to get in with photographers to be a photo assistant, to be a photographer, I guess, was kind of, I didn't really never wanted to be a photographer, but I just wanted to be in that world doing something and relentlessly sent my. CV and emails and letters and visiting like uh, so different lots of different photographers, but um, Rankin was the one that I finally finally broke and let me in. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, Rankin. So he's a, he's a really well-known photographer, isn't he? So that's that was quite an achievement.
1: Yes, he he, he is. He's quite big in the in sort of fashion editorial sort of world, which is good. And I think that's why it was very difficult to get in. Is he's, he's got a you know he's very successful photographer. Um, and I was, it was a weird experience. I've sort of left, because I went to uni in Essex. That's where I'm from, from South Southend. Um, and he's based in London. And I just quit my job and quit everything and moved up to London. Never really been, I mean, been to London for like day trips and stuff like that, but never really lived or spent too much time in London and just gave up everything, went up there, rented a little sort of flat share with a load of random people I didn't know and just kind of chucked myself into it. And I think that's that was the probably the best thing I did for it all working out because I literally had nothing else to do other than work for him and be there. Mm. <laughs> do you know, my social life everything else was kind of gone, so it was just, I was able to just completely immerse myself in that world and sort of live and breathe that, and, and it, it was brilliant. It was good fun.
0: Yeah, and how long did you do that for?
1: So, of course, you know, it took me about six months or so to actually – get in and that's like every other week every once a week more emailing calling chasing being ignored coming back so that was a long time to even get in the door and i think i ended up working for him for just over five years started off as a as as an intern unpaid intern for three months worked my way up and then ended up running this set design department which was really cool really really good you know we had a really good time with him traveled the world worked for all sorts of things and all sorts of big clients big jobs got to see some amazing locations and studios and nice people it was really a really good time very tough but it was a really good time
0: yeah no it sounds it And, yeah. and then what what made you then decide um eventually you started your own company haven't you you've got your own studio now so I do. How, did, yes. how did that come about
1: i think well it was five, five years of working for him it, was, it just thinks just they run their course don't they i guess and it was just like i just had an itch to we, i didn't have a proper workshop there was i was literally working out of an old gas meter cupboard and a little courtyard i was like sort of converted it built a little workbench, it and just started there started small and the jobs got bigger and bigger and you know we got more and more equipment and i just kind of i i don't, i just wanted my own space my own so i could do what i like because i mean obviously in, still interested in classic cars and making and building and doing stuff and although the set design was ticking lots of boxes it's never quite the same as having your own place and being able to do whatever you want so it was a very daunting time quitting working for Rankin, signing a commercial lease to a workshop a warehouse out in tackney wick and sort of taking that leap and going for it but i'm glad i have haven't looked back
0: yeah and, and at that point were you were you um was your intention to do the prop making and set design and installation that you're still yeah, doing now? Yeah, so
1: yeah, I mean, because I, uh, I was kind of ranking set designer, I guess you could say. So it's like it, that was that path had started to sort of be led for me, you know, with contacts and and skill set and things like that. So I did start it. The company is like Dom's Set Design, but it's I found that I mean, like the workshop I took on. It was a completely derelict workshop. I had nothing. There was no power, no drains. It was the only one I could find that I could afford was so derelict. It was ridiculous. And I did everything in there. And I was like, whilst I was kitting out the workshop and setting everything up, I have woodworking, machinery, metalworking, fabricated painting area, all of this stuff. It's like, you know what? I've got all this area set up just how I like it for all of this stuff. I don't just have to do prop making and set design. Someone would approach me and be like, oh, you know, we want this. I don't know what it would be chandelier or some artist would want a for or a structure making for what they're working on so and it turned into kind of fabrication and making and designing and and, and building because i had the workshop there and it, it was all there so it's like you know what why not i can so mm-hmm. set design is kind of a, a, a broad description i guess of, of what i do we did all, all sorts of stuff we did there it was good
0: speaking of the chandelier um uh, is that the one that is on your website that you made for Billingsgate Market? That's which is it. Apt. It's stunning.
1: Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool,
0: isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. Did you do you sort of collaborate with with clients or do you come up with the idea or how does that work?
1: It's very job by job, very specific. Sometimes I will get if it's a corporate client, I will get a very strict drawings plans renderings of we literally need that to fit in that gap there and that's what we want and just make that and then the debate becomes money and if they can afford it or not yeah (laughs) but um i kind of prefer in a way sometimes where we literally just get i just get a scrap of paper with something doodled on it it's like i want to do something like this but i want it to flap open there and something shoot out of there or something like that and it literally can be as, as some of the conversations i've had could literally be as random as that like i don't know you know it all sorts of obscure things and it's like yeah we can sort that out we'll work one some one way or another we'll work it out so it's very it's very hard it becomes very hard to price jobs like that because how do you put a price on that like it's a one-off bespoke thing i don't really know how i'm going to make it yet because there's obviously going to be problems along the way that i'm going to have to solve and how and so it's it becomes very difficult and i'm probably not the best businessman in that sense because (laughs) i kind of get sucked in by the the romance of kind of i just enjoy doing it i just want to do it you know i want to see that drawing come to you know and be and and that day when when that day comes and we're installing it and it's on the back of a truck and we're taking it down to south bank to build this big massive thing it's like you know that's cool that's worth more than getting a few hundred quid extra on the invoice you know like that it's kind of so yeah, have, you, have you
0: found yeah, well I know what you mean yeah. like that. but have you have you found that as time's gone on though you found it easy you'll kind of know potentially like how long something's going to take and you know potential cost and stuff like that
1: a little bit yes I mean I guess I've made mistakes learned the hard way of jobs have cost me a fortune sometimes and it's like oh, I can't do that again I've got to run. but then the jobs are so varied and so different I never mm. know. It, it's very hard. Like that chandelier in particular was kind of like uh, was, at the start, it was all made of aluminium because we were going to um, anodize it in the gold. It was going to be anodized. And uh, so I pro, you know, quoted for uh, that, got prices, quoted. it. was like, yeah, fine, fine, fine. Got to the last minute, test piece was anodized, and it came out completely the wrong color because of the grade of aluminium, didn't like something to do with the anodize It was like, oh, my God, we've already made it all. So, so then we powder coated it. So then, that's another cost. It's like, oh no! So things happen, you know, you, that you can't really plan for. But I think it's that's what I quite like about it. It's that like problem solving. It's like working, you know, keeping you on your toes, working out. Oh, how am I going to solve this? What's going to come up? Trying to plan so it all goes smoothly, but things go wrong, don't they, all the time? Yeah,
0: cool, yeah. of course. Yeah, and Just like being you able to some...
1: solve those problems is yeah. yeah.
0: Just a learning process, of isn't course. it? Every time. Yeah. So, is, is yeah. the car restoration work? Has that kind of um, been the basis of some of your knowledge with working with metal?
1: That has, yeah, that has always just been a a love of mine a hobby i guess and uh, it's always been you know me and my dad when i was a kid on the driveway which was gravel which was awful <laughs> for working on cars Can you drop a nut on a bolt on the gravel it's like oh no that's gone now that. it's
0: um, another learning experience there yeah
1: don't have a gravel driveway if you like cars i <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a nice <laughs> workshop to put it in but um it's, it's sorry it's um I think it's always been out of necessity because I'm sort of not very well off and had old bulk, Volkswagens and camper vans and things like that that needed welding and I was always modifying them, trying to lower them, like trying to you know work out lot of the Mark One Golf that sort of the engine and lowered all the back end and stuff like that. And I just wanted to do it and stuff isn't stuff wasn't available to buy or I couldn't afford it, so I thought like, I'll just do it myself. I got a welder, I'll just make my own bracket, you know. And it was it was really out of necessity for having old bangers when I was growing up. Really, yeah. and, and and I and I just that enjoyment and I've, it's kind of spiralled out of control now, and that we've, you know, I've still now got all classic cars and mess around with old motorbikes and things like that. But it's always just sort of been a, a hobby or than a job, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've got we're,
0: Vespa too,
1: haven't you? That's what I'm doing at the moment. That was my little lockdown project. You know, when when filming at the repair shop got stopped I was like oh no what am I gonna do what am I gonna do all my tools in here so I crammed as many tools as I could in my van and drove back was like cruising around on on eBay like you do just like you know oh I wonder I wonder and then that popped up I was like you know what I could get that and just and I kind of got that I've been filming the whole process on my Instagram stories um which is a learning curve for me something else I'm trying to sort of expand and, and start filming things with the hope for maybe a YouTube channel later in the future but you never know oh, you know just yeah. to practice to see how it goes Oh, well, that
0: sounds so, good yeah yeah, yeah
1: it's gone down so well from just from the Instagram The I mean I haven't got tons of followers but the one it's the, the people that really love they seem to really like watching it it's all gone down really nice really well it's all positive comments so
0: yeah, it's a really good. Um, it's, it's a good start. Instagram stories, isn't it? Like you say, to kind of just um, just the process of filming something. So I think a lot of people are finding that. So your your yeah. um, your your building props and sets is sort of part of the story to how you um, became an expert on the repair shop. How did that happen?
1: It is yes. Again, in a roundabout roundabout way that you could never guess which yeah, is you know you could never you get you know when you get these emails in your inbox it's like oh is that junk or not it was kind of like someone just emails and kind of i think they'd seen they 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 Ricochet, the production company were obviously sort of putting feelers out looking around for people they were planning it they got in touch with me i think i had a video on youtube that i did before years ago with top man was kind of a, a an upcycling project that we did they saw that got in touch with me came to my workshop to interview me, to sort of like cast me, I guess, for the show to see how I am. And they just, I think they sort of fell in love with the inside of my workshop because by that point it was full of old props and lots of light-up signs and painted things everything, bits of, you know, zebra's heads hanging off the walls and all sorts of stuff. And they were like, oh, this is brilliant. And so, I think they, well, obviously they liked me, but they liked all the, the aesthetics of the workshop and all the signs and stuff like that. And then when it actually came around to it, six months went by, they went completely quiet. All of a sudden, I just got a call being like, "Ah, you remember you mentioned that sign? So like, can you make us a sign?" So it's like, "Yeah, okay." So I designed the sign, but you know, it went through that process with them of what it's going to look like, um, and designed and built the sign for them—the one that's hanging outside the barn. and that was, oh. yeah. So I was down the
0: on, infamous sign
1: that would inf- now become. Yeah, it's a bit like the Coca-Cola thing, isn't it? The guy that designed it. Didn't actually get any money for it. It's kind of now it's becoming it's on the front of their books and on the front of the barn. And I've made, I just made another one for them to put up the shop, like a photo opportunity Instagram sign. And it's like, yeah, oh, if only I knew when I was first designing <laughs> that thing. But yeah, a mistake on an invoice for me. But, you know. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but that basically got me here. And sorry, I veered off again. And then, no, um,
0: you can carry
1: on. Now I've. So now, it's, it, I mean, we've been here for now four years, I think, filming. So it was from, that was from the start. And then they didn't have me on the first series at the start, but I think they started getting items in that they, they – like, the, like Steve, the clock was the first one that I did. He could fix a clock, but it was set in a metal drum. We couldn't get it out. Like the town hall, uh, you know, clock that would stick outside the town hall. Yeah. And that was all rusty. And he was like, I can fix a clock, but I can't fix the – the metal i can't even get it out it was so rotten and stuck in there so then a couple of things kind of like that came in and they were like oh you know what who didn't i think i think it was you know that looks like, like that guy that did the sign let's get him back so that, yeah, and then it sort of i did three or four items in the first series and it's kind of got more and more and more and for the last two years i've been here full time yeah. and a half the props inside the barn the workbenches. the more you look around when you see inside the barn there's like sign written, painted signs on the walls, all the light up signs, all the stars, all that sort of stuff is sort of from me. Stuff I've oh, done. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't actually realise that, but um, it makes sense because of what you do that you made it. So
1: it's, it, yeah, keep clean house. And,
0: <laughs> and is is the um? If I read correctly, is the barn based in a museum?
1: It is, and it is an amazing museum. It honestly is beautiful. It's the Wilden Downland Museum in Chichester. I've never been here before. Um, And it's basically, it's a collection of buildings. I think there's about 80 odd of them. There's a lot. And they're all listed buildings that have kind of fallen into disrepair on someone's land and then they've donated to the museum or got in the way of like the M1 road expansion. and So then they're kind of part of the agreement is we'll not take the building down. They literally take the buildings down brick by brick, you know, tile by tile, number them all and plot them here and rebuild them. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because um, the one thing um, I, I've sort of noticed, or, or one of the many things, is that you seem so. Well, all of you, but you seem so knowledgeable about each project. You know, you you seem to really know your stuff. Like I was watching one episode, and you were explaining electrolysis um, when you were beasting oh, yes. something. And and you say that you you weren't good at science, but you you clearly must be. You know, really practical.
1: Uh, maybe as you know, what that's probably the good example of actually. Yeah, maybe I wasn't. wasn't totally awful at science because it does and when you're sitting you know it's like, I've had a science teacher email me actually being like thank you so much for doing that that same that episode that you're mentioning she's like trying to tell the school kids when they're learning this stuff it's like it is relevant in the real world later on and that's the classic case of it because it's just like that. I did learn that in school and it was just like you know what and I sort of knew it was again though it's just from the classic car this is where it's quite nice doing this as a job because I can you can sort of pull information from different Things like this, that kind of came from the, the classic car restoration. I've used that before on the old like, car parts that I've used, but then actually it becomes useful in a different way. And there's lots of different bits of knowledge come from various different, because obviously set designer making props doesn't naturally translate to restoring antiques. But in a roundabout day, like the process of it, 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 it is very similar.
0: Yeah, well, I definitely feel like I learned something there, and I, I definitely oh, wasn't good. good at science. But <laughs> So you all seem like – have you all really bonded on the show, all of you experts? Because um, you all just seem to kind of work really well together, and, and everyone's so kind.
1: Yes, and you know what? I think there's sort of credit there for the, the whoever cast us all in the first place, because none of us had met beforehand. We didn't know each other. We spend a, long t- a lot of time together, because I'm here full-time, uh, and you know, it's, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We all stay, everyone comes from all over the place. So we all stay in a hotel and it, we spend a lot of time with each other and it's some stressful times, you know, like restoring these old things and doing what we do here is stressful at times. Things don't always go to plan. You know, you never know quite what you're going to come up against. And I think this is probably one of the only workshops I've, I've ever been in where there's such a broad range of different skills that you would never think like me working with Kirsten who does ceramic restoration, like never usually have anything to do with anyone like that. But actually, when we were we did the village sign, big metal sign with wooden bits in it and then had a big ceramic sort of like sort of crest in the middle of it. So it's just actually all of a sudden all of these Skills and talents that you you know crafts that are around that you they all come together in this barn and I, it works some for some somehow. <laughs>
0: yeah, so you never know what what you're going to get when when your visitors turn up.
1: We have an idea. of I'd get maybe you know get told maybe we get a picture, but it's very vague. We, I never see it. Right, never actually see it. So when that boot opens or they walk in that door opens, I have genuinely never seen it, and it, that's mm. the nerve-wracking thing. <laughs>
0: I can't imagine. It must yeah. be so nerve wracking. And it I really must admit, is. yeah, I've a couple of times, you know, I'm sure most people have, if they're honest, I've cried a couple of times watching oh, it because the so stories are so emotive and so <laughs> lovely. And you all seem always seem to manage to say the right thing and say it so kindly.
1: That's really nice to say. Thank you. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, that moment when we're standing at that table and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, tense it's a terrifying time really i get very very anxious and i have to sort of deal with that anxiety in my own sort of way because it is it, a really anxious time of like there's people that you really get to learn how much the items but, but how much it means to these people you know why they've kept hold of it for that three four generations and that sort of stuff and and it is because i don't know any of that stuff when they tell me it genuinely is it's just my reaction to it It's i'm like oh my, if someone told you that stuff it's like wow, that's incredible. You know, it's just sometimes I don't know what to say and I'm not, definitely not an actor. Like, I'm not pretending. It is just a genuine reaction to, like, the stuff is mind-blowing. The item is mind-blowing and the story with it that they've kept it for so long and saved their parents' lives and done, you know, some amazing stories. And it is is just, I think it works because it is all just very real. It's very genuine. We don't know the stuff that when they tell us these amazing stories, we are blown away by it and then also the, the stress and the fix and the kind of complications along the way are all very real all the work is done here we do do it all here and it's all as as you see it so it's, yeah and and how, how, do it you,
0: how do you sort of schedule it between you all because obviously with with um making programs you have a, a process and also a, a a time limit so how do you kind of make it all happen
1: <sighs> that is I guess that comes back to production. Them trying i don't know how they do that. They sort out like a—I uh, guess they have a schedule, or they have a rough plan where they try and be like that's gonna. You know, once I've seen it, I could be like, okay, probably going to be three days, maybe to fix it, ish, maybe four. But who knows? Once I take that lid off, who knows what's inside of it? You know, it's kind of. So they have a rough idea of a schedule, but it's very organic. It's very, like I know I was like I was late for. To this chat today because something overran because I couldn't undo something and it took longer than I was expecting to take something off. So it's all things and these these things. That's the that's what I really love about being here. These things they just take as long as they take. You can't rush it. You literally you really can't rush it. And it's just so if it's you know I've I've got the lid off of something and it's oh no this is completely all these gears inside it it's all broken. Didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, fine. Can, you have, know, have, between us we can fix it and it's so be it, you know. Yeah.
0: Have you have you ever um had anything come in and you've just thought, I just don't even know where to start with this. I don't know if I can I can do it or
1: uh, I still gotta, gotta be careful now because I can't say too much. But yes literally yesterday I had probably the tensest scene I've I've ever had here and I honestly was sleepless nights beforehand, panicking about it. It was something was seized so badly it was probably the worst most seized up thing i've ever had to try and repair and it was me and jay and we were there for about three hours heating it up banging it it was a real like a whole big And and halfway through that i was like this isn't gonna work this is this is gonna be the first and that's the first time i've just been like ah, i can't do it this is all i've got this is you know i haven't got a plan b but well, this was planned e <laughs> mm. and it still isn't work so but you know, you'll, did, you'll
0: get there because you always do, don't you? So well, this is it.
1: This is where I've got to be careful. I can't tell you if we did it or not. But yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm much calmer today. Let's just say
0: that. I'll ask. I'll say no more. I'll say no more. So um, you you like to use old, you know, craftsmanship in your work. And um, it, obviously, you know, some of these crafts seem to sort of be dying out. But do you think the show has reignited um, artisan work? Like, have, have you, has the general feedback been that people are sort of wanting to try these careers
1: again? Yeah. And from, I can 100% say it definitely has from first-hand experience because obviously we're in a the, by being in a museum, we've got it's open for visitors. The barn isn't open, but the museum's open. So there's obviously people around and hundreds of people come up to us all the time. And it's so nice. We get emails and sort of things from people saying, my grandkids, so obviously the grandparents are watching it and their grandkids are sort of sitting tuning in. It's like, oh, you're their favourite. And like, they, they're asking me where they can get a welder from. They want to learn welding. They want to do this. And, and all these crafts that, the kids maybe didn't realize we we're even a, you, that, you wouldn't think that's a job. I mean, I know I certainly didn't when I was doing a photography, even at uni, I didn't know really that the job I'm doing now existed. And so to be able to, yeah, like show what 6 million people, every episode, all this stuff is out there and these people are out there and there's more and more courses and, and training and people willing to share these crafts that we're losing. Is yeah for the better, and it's it's brilliant, and I think it's it's one of the one of the great things about it. So,
0: do you think it's best to learn as as much as you can, like every aspect of your trade, so you're more open to every opportunity?
1: I think that So, I, with the regarding the metalwork side of things, I think I I'm constantly learning. I go on quite a lot of courses because it's so broad. It's not just metalwork. There's you know there's different types of welding, different pattern, metal shaping, and panel beating, and by expanding my skill set and my knowledge allows me to think in a different way about how I'm going to approach a repair. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, it does. Yeah, do you know
1: what I mean? So like if I, if I, the more I know about how different approaches, different ways of doing things, I can kind of turn that backwards and be like, right, actually, it's because quite often it's all problem solving, and quite often there's three or four different ways to approach it. And Steve might, the clock might have a completely different view to me because I know this other tool exists or this other process or we can do that or if we heat this up and cool that down maybe we can do that you know there's different ways which is what I love so yeah it's, it's brilliant and I, I so, go on
0: no so I was going to say do you does your um do you think your career path has is meant to be because you've obviously worked so hard haven't you I mean you know you've given it some serious elbow grease with with what you've been doing so is it is it a bit of both or do you think that this was sort of meant to be you ending up doing the
1: presenting doing the presenting i guess my job in the workshop you know when i'm there on the weekends and doing my own thing in the workshop that feels very natural and i can you know i love going to my workshop on a quiet sunday i could just spend all day there and just potter around doing things learning practicing playing with things playing with my vespa being on camera definitely (laughs) definitely not so much i never thought in a million years i would be the other side of the camera I'm very familiar with being on film sets and photo shoots and things, but usually holding the set up behind and behind the set, holding a wall up or a flat or holding a dangling chandelier over something, something like that, you know. I'm sort of the other side of the camera. I've got backstage. So I'm still getting used to being on camera. Because I
0: genuinely thought when um, when I first saw you on the, that you'd have done other work because you are very natural on camera and it's not actually that easy having a camera in front of you while you're sort of chatting, is it?
1: No, it's not. We've had no, I mean, I haven't done anything else like it at all. And we haven't, we're not trained in acting or anything like that. We've never had any, I've never had any sort of training or anything like that. It was just in at the deep end, you know, that's it. And it's not even just one camera. Sometimes, like the thing we did yesterday, that stressful thing, there are five cameras, I think, the sound man, a director, and a producer. And so there's, there's a lot of people. And sitting chatting is one thing, but having to do the actual fixing as well as chat and talk to people and kind of, you know, sometimes it does get, it, it's tough. It's, it's exhausting, but it's good fun though.
0: Yeah, it looks amazing fun. Yeah. It's like a top job, isn't it? So is there any sort of particular advice you'd give to someone who wants to do a, a career like yours or an artisan uh, job that's, you know, quite unusual? What,
1: what What would be a good starting point? Starting point, yeah. People people asked me this. I think I honestly say to most people, like, just do it just go just try it just go for it because that's the best of what i've done like when i first nobody taught me to weld i just went when i was i think i was about 14 maybe just went to a boot sale. i sort of spent half my life in trips around boot sales and antiques fairs and things but i just went to a boot sale bought a welder for five pounds like a baby little sort of very basic one and just was playing in the back garden just practicing practice and practice and it's still now you know different types of welding much more elaborate and, and complicated but it's just the same thing just you can't be you could be taught you could you know go to school and learn all sorts of the science behind it and stuff like that but you can't be learning i think learning on the job is the, the, the honestly such a good way to learn you can't yeah. beat it. make your own mistakes really
0: you have yeah, to make the mistakes you, to learn absolutely there's nothing wrong with making some mistakes is there
1: Oh no, not at all, not at all. And that's something that I think you have to. It's a it's a different way of thinking because people become quite precious. It's like, oh no, I don't want to do that. It might go wrong. Oh, I don't want to that I don't. Know. It might go so. You know, obviously not on your cherished antique. I don't think practice on that, but on some scraps and other stuff like that, practice, practice, practice. Things can go wrong. Try different things. It's like, oh, what if I do it like that and that, or hold this that way, and what what's going to happen if I do that on that? You know, you can read in a book that it doesn't work, but actually maybe there's another way you can do it and it might work. I think just trying things is, and likewise going on courses, uh, I've just recently been on uh, an English wheeling course, which an English wheel is a very old cast iron big machine for very manual, for shaping metal, compound curves, and like, making an old car, you know, like the for cars of like the 30s where they're big sweeping wings and all that sort oh, of stuff. Oh yeah, beautiful big, cars. Beautiful shapes. Yeah, just, and that's again a craft that is dying out not many people do it there's you know there's much more modern ways of doing it but there's something about doing things the old way and i've, I've got myself an english wheel and it was probably one of the most expensive tools that i've ever bought and i could not a clue how to use it i just bought it i was like i'm going to figure this out i need to have a, i'm going to have a go i'm going to try and i've spent hours and hours and hours just sitting there in front of it on the sundays when i go to the workshop just sitting there playing with this thing Getting frustrated at times, but just, you know, I've got a pile of scrap sheet metal, like that didn't work, that didn't work, and I've been on this course and it's starting to click, but you, you've got to put the hours in. It's just practice, practice, practice. It, you, can't, you can't beat it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I discussed a few weeks ago, I was talking to um, Horace Panther, and we were talking about he was saying that he wasn't very academic at school and you were saying that, you know, you weren't. And actually, I wasn't particularly. And so um, I think it's just really important that people don't worry too much, you know, if they're they're not academic at school, because like, look what you've achieved. Look what he's achieved. You know, you just have to put the effort in, you know, in, in your own creative way, don't you?
1: yes that's it in your own, whichever way works for you and everyone's different different approaches work for different people but just find i think just find something that you love something that you love doing if you really you've got to be passionate about doing it because you got to you're going to be doing it you know it's a lot of work you have got to work for it nothing nothing i've not had anything kind of on the land on my plate like it's kind of nothing was set up for me it was everything's been hard work it really has, you know, setting up the workshop and now my new workshop and everything is, is just putting the hours in and practicing and playing. And, and yeah, I really wouldn't let not being good at maths and science, you know, there's, there's lots of other ways you can go.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I, we had a quick chat, didn't we, a few days ago, and um, I was interested just to hear about your other, um, you have a, a hobby, or if, if, if you call it a hobby, um, having beekeeping. Yes. <laughs> which is fascinating. And again, I was talking to my guest last week, Sally Coulthard, and I mentioned that I was talking to you this week, and she was like, oh, she's a big fan of yours. Oh, really? <laughs> and Yeah, and um, she wrote a, a whole book about beekeeping, and uh, it's, it's quite an interesting topic, isn't it, once it you get is. into it?
1: Yeah, it really is. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm new to it. I got them sort of start of the year. They're doing okay. Touch wood. They're all still in there. They're doing well. Um, I haven't harvested anything off them yet. But again, it's the, I don't even really eat honey. I'm allergic to bee stings. So that's not- <laughs> 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 Probably not the best thing to do. But it, it, I just, again, it's something quite calming and a, and a an escape from the stresses of, you know, whatever else is going on you can just kind of just learn about that and it's fascinating having them there in the garden and you can just sit there on a chair and lose an hour just sitting there watching them come in and out and they could see them coming with the pollen on them and see what they're all up to and then you know you, when you open them up and have a look and you can see it's so all it's just it's very rewarding it really is
0: so it's another job where you're nurturing something isn't it
1: yeah i guess yeah maybe there's something in that maybe there's something i'm not aware of that's yeah Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's for the garden as well because we recently moved out to kent and we've got lucky enough to have a, a decent garden so that's a whole other thing that you know we're, again i'm really bad at but trying to learn you know
0: takes time doesn't it yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah, it's a, a, like we've been living here 10 years and uh, I'm still kind of working out how to do our garden. That's it. You have so, to go like, three yeah, years it's ahead fun. of
1: yourself. It's kind of, it's a lot. it's good fun. And again, it's rewarding. It's nice. Yeah.
0: So are, are you, you've only got a few more minutes till you're back at work. So just quickly, what what have you got coming up? Obviously, you can't tell us what you're doing on the show, but um, have you got any other projects coming up? Have you got time to do all of those at the moment? I don't have.
1: you know what? I don't have time. I'm here f- five days a week. And it's it's now we're back filming and the new structure is working so well it is flat out here it's really really busy and uh I mean when I get the weekends back at home I try as much as I can to get and do I want to get that Vespa finished things like that but there are things in the pipeline I guess very very later down the line I'm kind of looking to I am looking to sort of pursue this tv career i guess great but i no idea which way the road's going to turn what's going to happen and where it's going to go i couldn't say at the moment but um definitely interested in exploring it
0: cool excellent of an to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah brilliant it yeah. is thank you very much i look forward to watching the show again soon
1: oh bless you thank you so much it's been lovely to speak to you
0: oh it's my pleasure thank you Dominic's website is DominicCheneer.com and you can see some of his amazing commissions on there that we spoke about. His Insta handle is at DominicCheneer and hopefully the new series of The Repair Shop will be gracing our screen soon. I can't wait i'll be back in a few weeks for series two of live your own way i can't believe we're already six episodes in it's amazing i've loved it and thank you so much for listening keep your ears open for the new ones as it won't be long at all Um, in the meantime if you'd like to see what i'm up to with my design work then my website is lucy gleason interiors and that's lucylovesya.com until then have a good one